every whole podcast. You know what to do, dude. Go on with the computer machine, man. I'll type it into the browser with you guys. Welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Hi, guys. Uh, Justin, what's happening? Oh, enjoy. Uh, a whole lot of things are happening uh, all day, every day. And we try to bring you a uh, little tiny, fractal, tiny bit of that in the, de- the form of death metal. It's, we don't do anything important. <laughs> how are you guys doing? <laughs> it's, it's nice to be reminded how little importance this has. Cause, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the big scheme of things. We do have fun here. Yeah, in the lyrics of Blood Incantation and Geigen, we're a speck in the universe, man. Insignificant. Yeah, uh, man. If only uh, we were important like aliens. <laughs> oh, man, this is getting crazy. <laughs> All right, back to days. Yeah, less let, important. Dial it back. Uh, Tom... How was your weekend, which was very significant uh, to your life, and your life is significant to me? Wow. Well, yeah. Today was a day. Um, <laughs> Justin and I actually did some auto bonding. We're fucking oh. Jeep boys. Oh, so, okay. All right. I was thinking it's auto something else. That was weird. Okay. That could be weird if, yeah. if you're really into uh, imaginations. Auto- oh, we had boy. sex in the car. Yeah. No. Violent sex. Uh, uh, we had, my, we, fa- my father came over, speaking of. Yes. Yeah. Uh, came over and fixed our Jeeps up nice today. The man is just filled with experience, and we uh, we learned. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the steering stabilizer. Boom. Check. Off the list. Death wobble. Gone. I am smooth riding right now. How many new tires? Four. Four. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, I got to get new tires. Plus actually. one bumper. Got it. Yeah. All my brakes work now. You put that on. I can stop whenever. Uh, what about the bug shield? Oh, the the bug zapper. I'm calling it now. Um, yeah, that's that'll be uh, that'll be next time. Okay, we went All a little right. bit late. You know, uh, uh, a couple I, wiring issues. We had to hammer out. Uh, well, I, you said the word. I, I was gonna say instead of bug zapper, you should call it the bug hammer. The bug hammer. That would make more sense because you're you're using the velocity and the blunt impact, and you know you're not zapping them. I'm you're, into it. You know, you're kind of using your 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 whole jeep as a as a bug hammer. I yeah. summon the winds, throw the bugs. Yeah. Right at my my truck. I mean, so I I, I drive a away. jeep. I'm trying to be part of the cool club over here. You know what I mean? It's it's. You are part of the cool club. Yeah. You yeah. were just doing something else today. What was that? Uh, how, I don't want to talk been, about man? that at all. That was a fucking failure and a shame and a disappointment. I went I went fishing today. Didn't really do much catching. Um, it was horrible. Uh, I was contemplating why I even bother going down there. It was one of those days of fishing, man. I put a lot of effort into it. A lot of thought, a lot of planning, uh, the tide and so forth. And, uh, and uh, it just was way too windy today. It was way too... I got up. Um, my father even told me, he's like, it's too windy. You're not going to catch nothing today. I said, watch. And, uh, and, <laughs> and I didn't get shit. Uh, it was was, he, a, was yeah. he smiling when you came in the door empty-handed? No, I, wasn't, I had my face uh, down oh, looking right. at the ground. Yeah, but... Um, uh, yeah, so, but Justin, I do have to publicly thank you for the bait that you gave me. I oh, wouldn't man. blame the bait in any way. I'm blaming the weather conditions um, and this curse I've had this summer. Not a productive summer of fishing compared to last summer by any means. I'm a big fan of bait, and, uh, you know, when I have some, I like to share it. Spread the wealth. Yeah. But, you know, you're, you're, like, you're echoing kind of our day a little bit, the wisdom of fathers. Yeah, that's true, man. That's true. Um, Listen to your dad. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? You got sometimes you got to go back and uh, learn lessons from days of yore. 
Um, and you know, in this uh, in this era nowadays, we've got all this crazy funky music. Is it metal? Is it hardcore? There's screaming. There's an emotional part. It's crazy. Um, here on Long Island, I don't know if the listeners might even realize this, but a lot of that, what people might refer to as metalcore or screamo, whatever those terms entail now, uh, really originated in its organic uh, primal essence here. And uh, we're going to get drummer, uh, original drummer of uh, Sky Came Falling and current drummer of Anoint the Sick, Brian Parker, on the phone. And maybe he's got a little bit of insight and a little little bit of that fatherly knowledge of that, of that metalcore hardcore uh screechy hardcore scene to pass on to us uh you know maybe like don't don't do a melodic breakdown when it's windy because you're not going to catch porgies you know it's goddamn right yeah Good point there yeah, yeah don't um, do the, the the part where all the, the kids in genco jeans pile on each other for the sing-along uh unless you have four tires you know and, you, and your mm-hmm. your uh tire pressure is right according to mary Bielik of Dercada. Don't go um, all gas without yeah. any brakes. We're not, we're not going to do all that funky mechanic Jeep talk without shouting out Mary Bielik. And you can go back if you want to talk about tour tips and tire pressure and tire, all that <laughs> treads uh, to our episode with Mary of Decatur. But right now, let's get Brian Parker on the phone uh, and talk to Brian Parker, uh, currently of Anoint the Sick and one of the original members of Sky Came Falling. Did anybody bring a phone? Yeah, I'm so confused at the, what the hell you were just talking about. So I we get those get nautical <laughs> flags and signal them over. He's from Long Island. What exit is he at? Will from Heavy Hole Podcast here, as always, with Justin and Tom. And today we're being joined by Brian Parker, drummer of Anoint the Sick uh, and uh, ex and original drummer of Sky Came Falling. Did I get all that correct? That's correct. Uh, Brian, you know, we have a lot of questions about your, uh, your current band, uh, stuff you've done in the past, but we always start uh, right at the top. So um, the listeners know where I'm going. Are you from a particularly musical family or a family where rock and metal was prevalent in any way? Uh, musical, not, but I grew up with a family that uh, always listened to music. I was the, actually the only one that wound up playing an instrument, but uh, at an early age, I mean, the, my earliest age, I remember my brother playing uh, the Beatles in his car when we used to go to the comic book store when I was a little kid. So that was, I guess, my first taste of music and then uh you know I'm, I'm the youngest of four so you know they they were all into uh the older stuff you know you know pink floyd and rush and all that stuff so that's kind of that's kind of how i first got introduced to music okay and you're originally from long island right yes even though i sound like i'm either from boston or uh <laughs> or sometimes i hear sometimes, sometimes people say australia i've heard as well <laughs> wow well, well uh, if you don't mind my asking, what what town or what like what part of Long Island? I grew up on the uh, the tough streets of Massapequa Park. Okay, Massapequa Park. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. And so now, growing up in Massapequa, 
Um, uh-huh. uh, well, h- how do you get into drums first? Because I imagine that maybe playing drums preceded like underground music and, and heavy music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my buddy, my best friend, John, uh, who I'm actually still best friends with to this day, we've known each other crazy enough since we were three years old. So we went to nursery school together, kindergarten, elementary, right up to uh, through high school. And uh, in ninth grade, he started playing guitar. He got, you know, kind of like the shitty Sears guitar. I think it was like $90 or $100 <laughs> or something. His parents got it for him. And then, uh, you know, he was just like, well, come on. You got you to gotta do something. You got to play like drums or something. So after, I don't know, probably about weeks or a couple months of him busting, uh, you know, my parents' chops, they finally gave in. And they were like, fine, you know, if it's going to shut this kid up, you know, we'll we'll get you a drum set. So now uh, I had no clue what to play. I knew nothing about drums. So, you know, I didn't know where to look for drums. So we started, you know, finding ads in like, you know, like Newsday and Daily News when people used to put ads, you know, selling stuff. And uh, I found this one guy that was selling a drum set. I think it was like $300. And uh, he was selling everything out of his basement, which I kind of look back now and it was definitely a little shady deal. <laughs> so I, I, I go there and I have no clue, you know, if it's a good set, if it's a bad set. And the first thing I asked the guy, I'm like, well, have you, have you ever uh, sold, you know, any famous musicians? And he said that uh, the guy Slim Jim that actually played the Stray Cats, he had bought a drum set from this guy as well. Okay. Well, yeah, Stray Cats are a Long Island band, right? So that, that, exactly. that, that checks yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, so then I wind up getting this set, and it's just it's just falling apart. But I mean, I had no clue, you know, if it was good, bad. Like I said, and uh, bring it home, and then I. Funny enough, I remember looking back now, and I actually had set it up as a left-handed setup because I had no clue, you know, what side the hi hat was supposed to go on, or the floor tom, or any of that stuff. So I have this drum set, you know, my buddy has a guitar and uh, pretty much all that we wanted to play was just, you know, the Metallica Black album. That was kind of the first album that clicked in my I made me want to understand music, play music, you know, so on and so forth. Okay. All right. So, um, uh, so, so now you got this drum kit, uh, yep. allegedly from this guy. We don't know what happened there. <laughs> And I have no, yeah, I have no clue what the hell happened to this guy. <laughs> and um, uh, you're playing. Did you ever uh, take lessons or anything like that, or are you just jamming? No, funny. So I wound up taking lessons from this guy um, for I think two months, and I still remember the guy's name. The guy, the guy handed me a business card. I think I met him at like the Long Island Drum Center or Sam Ash or something. And the guy's name was Scott, and then in parentheses, Groove Master Foley. That was the guy's full, you know, I guess, teaching name or whatever. <laughs> that was a formal title. And, you know he's good if his yeah, middle yeah. name is Groovemaster. Yeah. Wow. Groovemaster, yeah. So this guy came over and he had, uh, you know, he had the long blonde hair and he had, you know, the you know the tight jeans. He was right out of the 80s, this guy. Yeah. So now he was coming over and giving me lessons. And, you know, I think he was charging like, it was something like $25 like an hour. Now, you're going back to 1994 right now, yeah. which was, you know, that was that was a pretty penny back then. And literally the guy would show up, we would bullshit for about, I don't know, a half an hour. He would play my drums for about 25 minutes, <laughs> then I would get behind the drums and he would be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, man. I got I got to get going. We'll go over this next week." <laughs> so, so yeah, so the so the drum lessons really didn't last, last that long with me. Okay, okay, man. So 
So you're jamming with your buddy. Uh, you're listening. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to Metallica. Let me ask this: uh, yeah. What comes first, um, joining Sky Came Falling or getting into like punk and hardcore and that sort of thing? Uh, well, the kid that I was jamming with, this, this so we actually wound up did form. We actually formed uh, my first band, which was this band called Remorse when we were in high school. Okay. And uh, and it was me, him. We got a bass player and another guitarist. All four of us, funny enough, went to elementary school together. And then we could not find a singer to save our lives. Just we couldn't find a singer. You know, we were going to Farmingdale High School. A couple of these other kids were going to Massapequa High School, and we couldn't find a singer. So we start writing, you know, original music, which pretty much sounded like Dream Theater meets Rush, like this really technical, like you know, 10-minute songs, 15-minute songs with, like, double solos and all that other stuff. Hmm. And we finally find a singer, my buddy Frank, who actually quits another local Farmingdale band. So then we get him, and then we played together from about 1994 to about 1996. And then half the band, you know, went away to college and, you know, so on and so forth. So that was like my first, you know, I guess, musical experience with a band. Was any of that stuff with remorse uh, like recorded or preserved on online or anything? Yeah, it's not online, but we have uh, we had a demo that we recorded in some guy's basement. And it, funny enough, it was like a four song demo. And the demo is like 50 minutes long because each song, <laughs> I think, was on average like four, yeah, like 14 to 15 minutes. Well, I'd be interested to hear that. And I think so. There's a Facebook group, uh, the Long Island uh, Heavy Metal History Group. They, they they like specialize in posting all these obscure old demos, man. If you if you find oh, okay. if you find your way, I'm sure people will be interested in that. Yeah, yeah. So so I mean, the crazy thing was, so we start. Uh, we actually played at the Roxy in Huntington about four times. That was like kind of like the place that we always went to. And we were, you know, we were mostly from Farmingdale, and then like I said, we had friends in a Massapequa band that was called Deviate, which later changed their name to Suspect 7. So now what happened was, you know, they were very similar to Remorse, whereas, you know, after high school, some of the guys went away to college and so on and so forth. So, you know, Remorse winds up breaking up. And uh, at that point, like, I just, all I cared about was hardcore. I was like, hardcore, hardcore, I don't care about, you know, None of like the dream theater, like technical stuff. Like I just want to be in a hardcore band. Let's get these songs and, down, the short songs now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so Suspect Seven had broken up, and three, no, two of the guys from that band started forming a new band, which later you know became Sky Came Falling, which was I think actually the third or fourth name that we came up with. If if you want to laugh, the, the first name was actually Jedi Mind Tricks. <laughs> <laughs> which I found out later was like a rap band. Yeah. Which yeah. Was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Sky, Sky Came Falling, I, I think the name Sky Came Falling almost kind of set um, uh, a certain wave in bands naming themselves. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like that, that, yeah, that, that I mean, phrasing of a name, you know? Yeah, like the three name, like, like the Poison the Wells and all, all that stuff. Yeah, you, you know? guys were a little bit ahead of the curve on that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we definitely tried to, you know, I mean, I remember when we first, the funny thing was, when we first got together, you know, like I said, I just wanted to be in a hardcore band, and most of the most of the rest of the band, they just wanted to be like a metal band, like, that's, that's why they reached out to me, they were like, well, we know that you can play double bass, and that's all that we want, <laughs> so like, you know, all, all that they were listening to at that time was uh, 
Carcass Swan Song and Pantera uh, Southern Trend Kill. Like that's all that they cared wow. about. Wow, it's so. it's interesting to me because I was like, uh, you know, I'm 38. So when when Sky came falling and a lot of that stuff was going on, I was a little bit younger in high school, and there was such yeah. a, se- a perceived separation between like Long Island hardcore and that more commercial metal and death metal and sort of stuff. But you know, in, in reality, a lot of people were just listening to the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. You now you talk about you just wanted to do hardcore. You mentioned the Roxy. We've interviewed a lot of uh, like internal bleeding, Pyrexia members of bands yes, that yep, you know yep. that played the Roxy a lot. Um, in hardcore, uh, you know, we, we actually we just recently also interviewed Tension. Um, and and yeah, and, oh, great, great, great guys. Yeah, yeah, uh, great band, and they were great to speak with. And all that I'm getting at now is that in the '90s. Long Island Hardcore started representing maybe earlier on with bands like Scapegrace and Half Man and so on, like a little yep, bit more yep. that melodic, emotional tension, uh, what, what would go on to be called maybe Screamo by some people um, sound. Like, how do you perceive that kind of coming coming in and taking over from the old school hardcore sounds? Um, I mean, like with me, funny enough, so when I first, uh, when I first went to... Uh, Well, funny enough, how I first got into, like, underground hardcore, you know, music, it was around the same time as I was doing Remorse. And funny enough, my buddy John and uh, my friend Tom, who played bass for Remorse, they went to, uh, they had gone to see a band the night before, and it was uh, was like a talent show, like a battle of bands or something. I couldn't go for some weird reason. And then uh, I spoke to them the next day, and I was like, you know, how was the show? Was there any standout bands? Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, yeah, man, there was this one fucking band. This guy could fucking, this guy could scream, but then he could sing, and this drummer, and this other guy, and this other guy. He goes, yeah, he goes, but the weirdest thing about this band, they didn't have a fucking bass player. And I'm like, didn't have a bass player? I'm like, what fucking, I'm like, what the fuck was the name of this band? They go, I don't know, it was like VOD or something? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so then, funny enough, they go, hey, you know, if you want to check this band out, they're actually playing at the right track in in Freeport today. And now we're like 15, 16-year-old kids. Like, none of us are driving. None of us have licenses, nothing. But one of the guys that was going winds up, uh, you know, talking his older brother into taking us. So, you know, so we go to, you know, this place, the right track in, which I have no clue what the fuck this is. I mean, this is like my first hardcore show ever. <laughs> and we show up and I'm just like, who the fuck? Are I know, you know, there's tons of kids everywhere. I think like 25 to life play and like a couple other bigger bands. And I'm like, who the fuck are these kids? <laughs> like there's kids inside out. And then, you know, so then VOD goes on and just people start going ape shit. And I'm just like, all right, who are these kids? Like. This band is huge. They, you know, these people like know their lyrics. Like I, I just didn't understand it. it. It blew my mind, you know, because I was just like, how do these bands that aren't on the radio and don't have, you know, like music videos, have people, you know, singing their songs and buying their T-shirts? Like it, it just blew my mind, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And what you just said, like the, the kind of picture you just painted, was like something we talked about with the guys from Tension. How in the '90s. Um, there would be like a lot of kids at these shows. I think more than you really see nowadays. Uh, and in the suburbs, it seemed like the the VFW halls, the Elks Lodges, those sort of places were taken over because maybe shit was getting shut down a little bit in New York City. Man, do you remember it that way? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember, I remember showing up at the, uh, I, you know, the the VOD record release when they did that at the at the PWAC for like the first Roadrunner album, and I remember going there. I think we went there early. We were there at like four in the afternoon or something, and there was fucking hundreds of people there. I mean, like there was literally a line around the door. I mean, like hundreds of people. I, cu- I couldn't even tell you what the final head count was. You know of that show yeah. but uh it was huge it was fucking huge you know yeah it was a big thing back in the day and do you remember uh was there like a like like you know everyone um everyone just thinks about like earth crisis when you talk about straight edge you know but straight edge in the 90s was a big deal there were instances where it became violent uh for certain parties and things like that was there like a big separation in the hardcore scene on long island over that uh, I mean, as far as violence and stuff like that, I mean, obviously Earth Crisis comes to mind, but uh, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, like I was always friendly with like the guys in Trip Face, you know, back then they were straight edge. Um, you know, there was never any really beef with that. I mean, no, I mean, I, re- I really don't remember anything. I mean, I guess guys kind of like stayed on the left, you know, and then they stayed on the right if they were straight edge or whatever, just trying not to bump heads or whatever. But I, I don't really remember any conflicts now. Oh, okay, man. Just just wanted to ask about that. You know, we we love talking about the old school scene and and that sort of thing. And um, uh, when we talk about those shows that were going on back then, a lot, it seems like Sky Came Falling played a lot um, in in Long Island and in, in those sort of places. You posted up a list on uh, whoever maintains your Facebook posted up a list of like every show, um, pretty much that you guys ever played. And it seems like you were just hitting all these different places on Long Island for a few years, like. Uh, this, like, what would you credit the scene in the suburbs being so healthy to in the '90s? Because it seemed like, in a, in a few years from the late '80s to the '90s, it all switched from heavy metal to this kind of like suburban hardcore revival. Yeah, I mean, I think with us, like, it was just you know just getting the word out and just just making friends. Like, funny enough, I remember, you know, when we had the demo out. Um, the first band that we kind of got friendly with was the Movie Life, mm-hmm. where, you know, which was another Long Island band. And the funny thing was, I mean, if you ever heard what the Movie Life sounded like, they sounded nothing like Sky Came Falling. It was like the complete opposite. Yeah. But just you know, we were ve- we were very friendly with uh, with you know Eddie Reyes, who was the guitarist, and you know Vinnie Caruana, who was the singer, Evan, the drummer, like Alex. All, all those guys were great, and just we, you know, got very friendly with them. And then uh, I think the key was just we started, you know, we started swapping shows. So, like, if we got a show, you know, we'd get Movie Life on there. If Movie Life got a show, they'd get us on there. And it just, you know, we're just kind of like friends helping friends, which was great. You know, yeah. and, you know, we'd give them shirts. They'd give us shirts of ours. You know, we'd wear them. They'd wear ours, you know, vice versa, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a real cool scene back uh, in the 90s. Uh, I, some of the first shows I ever went to were at the YMCA in Huntington, um, Great place, yeah. Yeah, they, and they, used to, they used to have shows right there on the basketball court and lots of merch tables yep. lining the room and stuff like that. That made a big impression on me back in the day. Um, and also, I remember I caught Sky Came Falling at a church in Huntington with One King Down. Oh, with One King Down. One King Down, yep, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. And, and, well, this is a question, I've, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was one of the shows where I saw you guys play with, like, oil lamps or lanterns of some yeah, sort. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we were always, I don't know, we were always kind of like an artsier band where, uh, you know, I mean, our record release, when we had the record release at Deja One, which was a club that was in Mineola, um, 
the the show was big. I mean, like we, you know, uh, that band, the Day in the Life, headlined, and you know, that was ex-members of Mind Over Matter, and they were on TBT Records. You know, they were on like big label, and uh, Glass Show was supposed to play as well when they were getting very uh, very big. Except uh, Daryl, the singer, wound up getting sick, so they couldn't play. But we knew going into the going into this show, we were just like, all right, we got to do. We got to do something to stand out for this show because it's going to be a big show. Like we had spoken to Mark, who was you know promoting the show. He goes, "Man, he goes, this thing is going to be big. Like I hope you guys are on your A game." <laughs> so we thought about it. We were like, "All right, what the hell can we do to stand out?" We were like, "All right, let's all let's all dress the same. Let's start simple." So like we all wore, I think like khakis with like you know buttoned up shirts, and I think we even wore ties or something. We got like matching ties and like all that shit. And then we were like, "All right, well, what else can we do?" And then we thought about, I don't know how the oil lamps came up, because I look back now, and I'm like, that's fucking dangerous, because like, one of those fucking things fell over, like, you know, and the goddamn rug caught on fire or some shit, you know? Yeah, some kid does like a kickflip uh, through one of those oil lamps. Yeah, yeah. And then we were like, all right, well, what else can we do? And uh, somehow, like, poetry came up. So we actually got our bass player, Matt's friend, to read... Uh, read poetry like in between songs as we were like you know tuning guitars and all that stuff and then the last thing was we asked uh cameron's brother andrew if he could actually program lights so we had this like strobe set up and like it was it was just fucking crazy like if you watch if you watch the record release i think there's one song on youtube now like nine out of ten people like will have a seizure watching this fucking thing <laughs> just because like the fucking lights and the lamps and everything else well, yeah, I I, I remember uh, seeing that. Um, you know, it was it was just interesting, and it and it really added to the because it's like it's still Long Island hardcore. It's in kind of like you know like a church rec room type of DIY yeah. space. There's kids doing uh, uh, kick flips in the pit, but it had this you know. Then you have that you said you have oil lamps and you have a guy reading poetry. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's a far cry from like Cro-Mags and neglect and that, yes, that sort of vibe. Yes, yeah. Did you guys ever encounter, uh, you know, any like goons or whoever, anybody trying to give you shit or, or like bands, you know, the scenes colliding, so to speak, anything like that? Well, funny. Actually, actually, this goes back to your previous question now that you were talking about the, anything with straight edge or whatever. So we actually did have an instance. I'm glad that I remember this now. So when we toured... Um, the West Coast, we actually toured with that band, the Sacto Hoods, which like look like fucking extreme tough guys, but wound up being like the nicest guys in the world. And then we also toured with this band, Santa Sangre, which was ex-members of Another Victim, which was like another huge like vegan straight edge band, like them and like Earth Crisis were buddies. So now when we did this tour, we actually wound up taking... As a bass, uh, as a bass player, this guy Keith and Hell, who actually used to book the Hellfest, you know, in Syracuse back back in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and I mean, this kid's got fucking X's literally tattooed on his hands. Yeah, the, the just like that's how fucking. I was just gonna say for the listeners uh, before that that famous French uh, Hellfest that goes on there was in New England that the Hellfest was uh, widely renowned for being like a metal and hardcore fest uh, before that was a yeah. big thing. But yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, so so we wind up touring. I think it was about a two and a half week tour, and then we played in uh, we played in Salt Lake City, which I had heard, you know, sometimes you know a lot of straight edge kids like start shit and stuff like that. But the crazy thing was, like, all the straight edge kids like left us alone, but they were they were picking on Keith, like they were fucking with him, and like every time his back was to the crowd, like they were fucking 
kicking his back and, you know, trying to trick the kid. It was just the weirdest thing. Huh. All right. So, so, <laughs> I guess yeah. that's just how they how they do out there. I don't know or how they did out there back uh, yeah. in the day. I, I don't know. But, I mean, as, as far as, like, you know, trouble or anything like that, I, I mean, fun, funny story when we – we actually did. Uh, here's another another combo that doesn't really go together. We did a weekend in Canada um, years ago, and it was us fast break and saves the day. Uh-huh. Don't ask me how that works, <laughs> but it just did. And uh, Matt, our original bass player, was actually backing up our van and wound up hitting the saves the day van. And uh, the singer came out. I guess and, you know it was an accident. Came out and started you know throwing us an attitude and. It almost got ugly, but that's the only thing that comes to mind. You know, nothing ever happened, but that's the only thing that really comes to mind as far as, you know, trouble on the road and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, well, that's that's more of like a, you know, personal, uh, the, you know, I was just thinking just the nature of your guys' band, um, you know, and some of some of the, you know, we, we all we all know some some of the people that that uh, that we love on Long Island uh, and how they react to, um, uh, you know, certain more like artistic uh, type of bands. Oh yeah, you know. Yep. Um, but but moving on from that, another thing I noticed, I had to write down. Um, you know, whenever we have an artist on, we always look at social media and stuff like that. And something I read on the uh, the Sky Came Falling Facebook was an old story that I guess on the way to a, a skate park in Connecticut, you were in a car that broke down in the Bronx and almost didn't make the yes. show. Yes. So that was funny enough. So that was our first out of state show and it was in Connecticut. And uh, it was me, Cameron, the guitarist and his, I think the kid's first girlfriend ever. Like this is like ex-girlfriend, like number 15. Allegedly. And it was, yeah. And it was the three of us driving. And, uh, and yeah, he gets a flat tire in the Bronx. We have no clue where the hell we are, like where our mechanic is or anything. So we finally find uh, a mechanic, and I think between the three of us, somehow we came up with like 75 bucks and threw this like shitty tire on. Somehow we made it to the show, and plus we're driving through a blizzard going to fucking Connecticut. Like I, I still look back now, and I'm like, how the hell do we make this show? But we knew that we had to do it because it was, you know, it was our first out-of-state show. We were, you know, extremely excited that somebody out of state, you know, cared about us, that they wanted to book us on this thing. And, uh, and we got there and you could definitely hear through the performance, like the emotion, like what we went through to fucking get there. Like we channeled it through the instruments, like no question. Yeah. I, we've, you know, we've, we've spoken to a few artists, uh, like from, from, uh, New York and upstate New York and long Island. And, and everyone seems to have like, uh, art, like, we first started the band we had to drive through a blizzard to connecticut or to boston or something like to play a show and i've i've done it too my co-host i mean you yeah. guys probably it's just like this northeast i think uh tradition that we have to go through like getting off or yeah. on the island is always an adventure like something yeah There's so yeah. much yeah, yeah. i i mean our our first tour you know we booked ourselves it was a seven day uh seven day tour and literally like the first show was Long Island. The second show was Florida. Nothing in between. Oh, my God. That's what's up. Like, that, like that's just how you fucking did it back uh, then. Because, like, you didn't have, yeah, you didn't have any contacts. You didn't have, you know. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing was, I remember I remember the last the last show, I think, was in, it was either Massachusetts or Philly. And it was going to be, it was us, 25 to life, and Turmoil. Wow. Like, when Turmoil, like, was in their prime, I'm like, holy fucking shit, there's going to be, like, 
five, six hundred people there. I think there was like thirty-five people there. Wow. <laughs> so, you never know, man. So you never know. Well, no, you never do. You never do. Well, you mentioned Florida. This is like this is totally random. I, I did notice uh, on that list of shows you played that you guys played with Morning Again here on Long Island at yes. one point. Yeah. So I like I'm assuming maybe did you have like a relationship with those guys? You played with them because that's a band. I also think of when I think of that like '90s movement of more screechy, melodic hardcore yeah. that people associate with screamo is Morning Again. So now Chris, the singer, um, he was he was all over like that style of of music, you know. Bef- you know, pretty much when I met him, I was like, I don't know any of this ba- any of these bands, but he was into like Morning Again and Culture and you know early Shy Halud stuff like that. So he got he wound up getting friendly with John Wiley, the guitarist of Morning Again, um, and he wound up sending him uh, our demo. And he was like, "Hey, he's like, check this out. You know, this is my band. We're from Long Island, and blah blah blah." And uh, he goes, "Well, look. He goes, you know, if you guys ever can make it out here, like, you know, I'll try and help you guys out. You know, if you want to send me some demos, I'll see what I can do." And uh, so he actually came to the Florida show. Funny enough, when we played there. And uh, then he actually wound up getting the tape into the hands of, uh, of Good Life, which was the you know the label that gave us our first album. Yeah, I, I, it's funny that you it, I didn't see it spinning back around there so good uh, because I did have a question about getting on Good Life Records from Belgium. It's, it's something I I don't, I don't know if it was Good Life. I, I wish I had this in my notes right now, but Tension and Neglect also put out yes. uh, albums by I think it was a Belgian record label. Um, so it's it's. It, I think it was. I think it was RPP, if my mind is right. Yeah, that I, sounds familiar. I think re, you, you probably know better than me. But regardless, all I'm getting at is uh, this was before the days of social media, the internet, and so on and so forth. Uh, was there a lot of interest from European labels in like New York bands? Uh, I mean, like with us, you know, it, it was pretty much, I mean, I was, I would say it's a handshake deal, but it never was a handshake deal because we never even met the guy. <laughs> so we just kind of just went with it. He was just, you know, and he was just pretty much just like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to send you money to record and then, you know, I'll release the album and that's kind of, and that's, that kind of, it, it is what it is, you know, as they say or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. I remember, I remember going to, uh, I went to a show about a week before <laughs> a week before our record release and I was hanging out with the guys from Movie Life and they were like, Hey man, so you excited? Like the record release is coming up and I was just like, Yeah, I was like, I uh I hope we have the record by then and he's like, Well how the <laughs> fuck are you gonna have a record release without a record? I was like, I don't know, man, but this fucking guy from Belgium better fucking ship some shit or something, you know? <laughs> so 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 he winds up so funny enough, he ships us 25 copies that's all that he shipped us for the fucking record release uh, nice exclusive so, yeah, but, yeah. The, but the po- but the positive was we sold out all 25 right. before we <laughs> went on the stage so that was the positive if you right didn't there. sell them that would have yeah that, yeah that would have been worse <laughs> that's good yeah man. yeah so you know and, and uh, just for the listeners too um we, we always keep the listeners up to speed we're talking about uh to forever embrace the sun um the de- debut ep uh in 1998 on good life records um, and then it would be, it wouldn't be till, if I'm not mistaken, 2000, November 2000, that the full length album 1021 comes out. Were you guys playing out a lot and doing a lot of touring in between? Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, like the first, the first tour was, uh, you know, kind of a debacle. It was like the seven days, you know, the seven days from hell, I kind of <laughs> call it. 
and it was you know kind of went all over the place. I mean, the cool thing was we met up with uh, with that band Harvest, who was like a like a late '90s band, yes. and we played with them in North Carolina and South Carolina. So that that was definitely the highlight of that tour. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, you know we did. Uh, then we went back and did the Carolinas again with uh, with Stretch Armstrong and that band Nora, and obviously the singer of Nora, you know, who runs who who ran Ferret. You know, as you can see where that later goes on, because that's who put out 1021. Yeah. Um, yeah but then uh, you're riding this. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I usually mean, drive could... the Segway, but you're driving the Segway tonight, man. You handle, you're handling. Yeah. <laughs> knocking all my questions out. It's great, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, we just tried to, you know, just play as much as we could. I mean, if we weren't playing Long Island, you know, we would try and do like a like a Jersey show or a Connecticut show or just something, you know close that we could bang out over the weekend and then like when we got off of tours i mean we tried to try to take them you know yeah yeah absolutely so it sounds like you guys were in a position to because you know sometimes there's there's one or two members that can't play out a lot or whatever it sounds like you guys were in a position to just do your thing and play out as much as possible and uh it just seems like sky came falling was the right band for the right time and the right place um you know and, and ferret mute like like you represented that movement in hardcore so to speak when we talk about morning again you brought up harvest which is another perfect band uh to kind of represent that time and ferret records uh you know we look back at ferret records in the in the late 90s and it kind of represents that whole uh that whole thing late 90s or 2000s hardcore movement um that that was distinct I think from the more old school hardcore, more metal influenced, but not yet what people call deathcore and metalcore nowadays. You know? Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember when we met with Carl. You know, to I think that that was an I think that that was an actual contract. I don't know if we actually signed or that just might have been a handshake. I forget, but I definitely remember meeting up with him. And I remember all I all I wanted to know was like who was who was the biggest band that he put out, and he said disembodied. And like, that's all, that was my goal right there. I was just like, all right, I was like, we got to fucking like outdo disembodied, you know, like sales wise or performance wise or whatever we have to do. Okay, man. All right. So, so So. you guys uh, sign or shake hands, allegedly, whatever happens, Ferret Music and you guys are are in business. Um, The 1021 album comes out in November, 2011. I, I mean, 2000, if I got that right. And that you know, that's going on to be like looked at as like a hallmark album, like I said, of that time period and that kind of uh, genre of hardcore, so to speak. Um, uh, now, going forward, it looks like uh, you guys toured extensively in support of that album, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the first, I think the first tour that we did on that was uh, was a West Coast tour with Martyr AD, which funny enough, talking about Disembodied, there you go, Martyr AD, which was you know a couple of the guys from Disembodied. Yeah. And uh, and that was a fucking blast. That was that was a great uh, two week tour with them. And then it was just kind of the same play there. And then we got uh, you know, and then we got the big call, um, you know, for the Thursday tour. Which, funny enough, like when we got that tour, they were just like, "Oh, can you can you do this small band Thursday that just signed to Victory <laughs> like a favor and like take them out and like show them the ropes?" You know, I look back now and I laugh my ass off at that. But that was. Uh, that was three weeks, and that was probably still to date my favorite tour that I've ever been on. Awesome, yeah, and you know, yeah, you look back at uh, you know, th- Thursday's trajectory, 
uh, after signing with Victory yeah. and all that sort of thing. And they, they almost represent like another progression. You know, looking back now in 2020, you kind of look back at that Long Island hardcore. People call it screamo, but nowadays that word has all sorts of connotations and whatever. And, you know, like back in the day, like I remember in the 90s, people would say emo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Sunny Day Real Estate, the Get Up Kids. You know, yeah. now it means yep, something yep. crazy. Like, who knows what it means, yeah. you know, like like a Hot Topic or something. But, um uh, when when I when I look at the the trajectory of Sky Came Falling, I believe you part ways with the band in late two thousand one. Is that right? Uh, it was it was early two thousand and two. Funny enough, okay. it, was, it was actually it was the beginning. It was it was January two thousand and two, uh, and you know, so I leave. Well, my last show we played in Syracuse with uh, it was us, eighteen visions, Nora. Every time I die. And I think from autumn to ashes, and there was once again like fucking seven hundred kids there, and yeah. I was just like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "You know what?" I was like, "If I'm gonna go, <laughs> I was like, this, this like this is gonna be my way to go. Like, yeah. I might as well go yeah. out with a bang or whatever." And uh, and pretty much what happened was so then at that point, um, from autumn to ashes was also on ferret because we had been uh, handing out their demo um, when we were on that two week tour with Martyr. You know, because we were friendly with them and they said, hey, can you know, we're, we're going to print out like 200 demos. Like, can you just put it on your table and just give out or whatever? So that had gotten to Carl and he was just like, hey, do you know these guys? Like, I'm thinking, you know, I'm kind of interested and blah, blah, blah. So I'm I'm on the fence about leaving the band at this point. And uh, I think either Chris or Cameron calls me and they were just like, look, like we just got offered a two week tour, you know, West Coast with From Autumn to Ashes. And I was just like, look, I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I could do this anymore. Because, I mean, I was the only one in the band at that point. Everybody else kind of had, like, a job to fall back to or, like, you know, they had options or stuff like this. I pretty much said to them, I was just like, look, I was like, I, I can't keep getting, like, a shitty job working it for two weeks just to quit, to go on tour, to come back and do it all over again, you know? Yeah, uh, it's a common plight, and it's something that we've heard uh, often on the show, something I've dealt with. In my own bands throughout my life, um, you know, you, it's, yeah. especially playing any kind of extreme music or heavy music, man, it just doesn't pay the bills, uh, and it's t it's tough, man. Yeah. And New York is not uh, a cheap place to live either, you know. So uh, there's no. There's that. I, I mean, the thing. I mean, the the worst part with that was, you know, like I kick myself in the ass because, like, don't get me wrong, I had a blast touring with every band that we toured with, but if you look at the bands that they toured with after I left like to the bands that I toured with when I was in the band, like it's like night and day. Like I missed like, well, the From Autumn to Ashes tour, funny enough, was the first tour that they went on. They paid all their bills out, paid themselves back and actually came back with money in their pockets, which I had never done. Wow. And, and that so, was the yeah, first so tour do, without you? The first tour without <laughs> me, yeah. So they do that. Then they do like an Atreyu tour. Then they do a Lamb of God tour before Lamb of God was anything. And then they tour with like a couple of Avenged Sevenfold when they were wow. when they were nobody. They go on the road with them. Wow. I think they toured with Under Oath when they were nobodies. All right. And then the two things that I really missed was they actually get a stint on Warp Tour. I think they did either two or three weeks of Warp Tour in 2002. And then I think they finally call it quits around then. But then Good Life actually contacts them to fly over to Europe. And I think play either two or three shows over in Europe, which I wasn't a part of either. 
Wow. Well, it's wild, man. It I'm so glad wild. you listed it all out because I didn't want to rub it in. <laughs> by, by yeah, oh, dude, it's, I, I think about it. I think about it every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, dude. Wow. Well, we all have uh, band regrets and stuff like that, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and it seems like they never found, they found, uh, you know, obviously competent uh, drummers to perform with after yeah. that, but they never found like a steady replacement drummer. No, I, I mean, the crazy thing was, um, you know, the guy, the guy that uh, took on after me, um, pretty much like when I left the band, I was just like, fuck this. Like, I'm not even going to play like music anymore. So like I had left half of my drums in like the practice space and I was just like, whatever, like, I don't even care. And then like when I did go back for like my stuff, like three quarters of it was gone. And this guy had stolen like my hardware case and like cymbal stands, my double bait, like just stole like a bunch of shit. And like, I've still to this day, like I've never even seen the kid like for any <laughs> money or anything like that, you oh, know? Jeez, yeah. so. taking an L. Oh man. Yeah. So, yeah. well, I mean, I, my, that was going to be one of my questions was after Sky came falling, did you jam? Did you have bands? Apparently not, I guess I would say, right? Yeah, I mean, probably around. Well, And then the whole thing with that was, too, like, I, I just kind of gave up on music, like, in general. Like, I stopped, I guess I stopped, like, looking for bands. Like, I didn't care about, like, new bands. And then, like, you know, icing on the cake, I start seeing, you know, Thursday on the cover of, like, you know, alternative press and revolver. And then like all my friends, like from one of the yeah. ashes is on the cover of this. I'm like, holy fuck, man. I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm like, did I make the fucking right move here? Probably not. But, you know, huh. I can laugh about it now, I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you did do, um, you know, for, on a street level, a lot, you know, most of the important stuff for the band and, and all that stuff, yeah. man. You know, I, I, I can only imagine, you know, the, those, uh, uh, wanting to reap those rewards and stuff, but you do end up. Do, do I have it right that you played the reunion shows in 2011, right? Yeah. So, so now the crazy thing was probably in about. Now let me try and get my my timing right on this. Around 2000 and maybe seven or or eight, I start talking to Chris again, the singer. And he's just like, hey, man, he's like, so I got like this, you know, this new, newish band that I'm doing. And uh, it's actually it's me and Matt, who was the original bass player of Sky Came Falling and uh, two guitarists. And the drummer is actually one of the guys that replaced me on drums in Sky Came Falling. But he's uh, he doesn't want to do it anymore. He's going to leave. Yada, yada, yada. He goes, it's this band called Farewell Tide. Like, do you want to? check it out like maybe jam so i said yeah so i said sure so uh hung out a couple times jammed with them and uh and it was going good and it it definitely sounded like uh it was definitely like a late 90s still more more along the lines of like hopes fall than sky came falling you know melodic you know stuff like that and uh it just didn't work out like we were supposed to play a show but then the band broke up so once again, like I kind of like went into hiding and I was just like, whatever, like, fuck this, fuck that. Like, I don't, I don't care about music again. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, somehow like, I don't know, word starts like rumbling about like sky came falling again. And, uh, I think we first got offered a reunion, I think in 2010, I think it was supposed to be at the long Island fest. And we were actually set to do it 
But then I remember Cameron fucked up. It was either his hand or his arm, and he couldn't even fucking play guitar. So we had to drop off of that or pretty much postponed it till the following year. And then that's what that's when we actually did it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember, uh, you know, friends of mine uh, being frustrated about that, man. But what can you do when somebody breaks the hand? For yeah, time? it was, I, I felt horrible because, <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I had to, like, buy, like, a fucking pretty much, like, a brand new drum set because all my shit had gotten stolen. Yeah. And then I had to, like, work the cobwebs off because I hadn't played, but whatever. It's all good, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, actually, Tom and I, we, we played in a band called Ultra Geist back then, and, uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. Fuck. All right, so we so we played together with the incendiary right. incendiary boy. Yeah, yeah. that's great because uh, there you go because Matt was in a in like a jazz fusion band with our drummer Joe yes. back at the time. It's yep. just an in, yep. incredible musician. Man. Uh, yeah, so, so Matt Matt's fucking Matt's in a world on his own. That's what I always said to that kid. Yeah, good, like unreal uh, to watch. So, so yeah, that, it was fun how that all kind of clicked together, and um, yeah, and we were learning ourselves, you know, about old Scott came falling and. That was just that was a fun show, man. Uh, Center Reach, yeah, that Knights was a of Columbus. That was a great show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Center Reach, Knights of Columbus. That's what I'm talking yep. about, man. The, the, the suburban, yeah. the suburban Long Island hardcore scene, and that's what it seemed like. Nowadays, I, I think these VFW halls and Elks Lodges and places caught on a little bit, but it seemed like in the '90s and early 2000s, like every town on Long Island was having hardcore shows at those type of places. Yeah. Crazy, man. I mean, I mean, it's crazy, like to think, like. You know with what's going on now with COVID and like revolution closing down, oh. and I'm just like, holy shit! Like, are we? Is that what we're gonna go back to? Like, don't get me wrong, I just want to fucking play music. Like, if you want me to play a fucking night to Columbus Hall again, no problem. Like, just book it and I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. tough for venues you know? right now. Really, really tough. Yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah. A lot of bands are looking into the live streaming stuff to to get by, and the, and the venues closing yeah. down. Yeah, it's 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 tough out there, man. Rest yeah. in peace to Revolution and. Shout out to them yeah. and their people. They had some good shows there, man. And, um, you know, we hope yeah. the other venues on Long Island can make it through. Definitely, man. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, speaking of uh, uh, what's going on currently, um, you know, we appreciate you giving some insight into the Sky King Falling years uh, for the old school fans and all that sort of stuff. But you are currently playing drums in a band called Anoint the Sick with some other musicians that people might know from Long Island hardcore history, right? Yeah, so that all came about when we did the last Sky Came Falling um, show at AMH, and that was part of, uh, it was a three-day fest called the Obnoxious Noise Fest, yes. and we actually wound up headlining the Friday show, and uh, it's just crazy because I had all these kids from like all these opening bands, which are like kind of like bigger bands now on Long Island coming up that I had never met and they were like holy shit man that album that album and I was just like holy fuck like did it really get out that much like it just it blew my mind like how many people like that album really you know did, did affect so I mean we played the show and like it was phenomenal like it was a great turnout like I thought that we sounded really well and then like we kind of had like a band meeting like the next day you know the five of us and we were just like holy shit like maybe we should start doing this again. Like, you know, but then of course, you know, you see the obstacles, you know, like Cameron's in Los Angeles, you know, Matt's, you know, in the Carolinas. And we're just like, well, how the fuck can we do this? And we're like, well, we're like modern technology, you know, you send files and you write drums and then you send it to Chris and he lays down vocals and this and that. So we actually tried it for probably about five or six months. And crazy thing was we probably had probably about seven new songs written and 
then it just kind of broke down, just like the communication stopped and just, you know, this guy didn't want to do it. And then this guy wasn't getting along with this guy and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But the crazy thing was, while while this was all still going on, you know, Andrew, who I play with now, who funny enough is Cameron's brother, I go from one, you know, I go from one sibling to the next sibling in bands, which is kind of funny. You know, he had all these songs written and he was just like, well, you know, maybe we should start something new. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like, I'm fucking 40 years old. Like, <laughs> I have a house. I have a wife. Like, do I really want to, do I really want to try this again? You know? So I was just like, all right, like, maybe. So it kind of just like sat in the back of my head or whatever. Like, I didn't really give it much thought or whatever. And uh, pretty much like, the guy that kicked my ass into gear was my buddy Rick, who plays guitar and sings in this band Extinction AD, Rick Jimenez. Yes, uh, yeah, love and, yeah, and he, Yeah, and he said to me, he was just like, look, he goes, if there's one person that can give this thing a go, like, one more time, I think that it's you. And I was just like, oh, shit. I was like, all right. So, like, <laughs> I pretty much called up Andrew, and I was just like, all right, man. I was like, I'm going to try this, like, bring over what you got. So we wound up writing like four songs together and, uh, you know, we did like a SoundCloud demo where he pretty much po- played, you know, both guitars and bass. And then, you know, I recorded the drums and we were just like, all right, well, like, well, now we got to find people. So funny enough. So his brother reaches out to him and he's just like, well, I think I want to sing on this band. Now, this is Cameron. And I'm just like, well, how the fuck is this gonna, kid going to sing when he's in Los Angeles or whatever. So we're like, all right, whatever. Let the kids sing, whatever, no big deal. So somehow Rob from Incendiary, you know, who he's friends with, gets word that Cameron's in this band. So he goes, well, I want to be in this band now. And I'm just like, holy shit. I'm like, we're going to have an ex-member of Incendiary? I'm just like, we're going we're gonna to fucking headline like our first show, you know, just for being ex-members of Incendiary and Sky Came Falling. So, and... I think the next six months and we just kind of look at each other and we're just like, I don't think this is going to work. Like Cameron's in Los Angeles. Like he's never come back to practice. You know, Rob lives in Brooklyn. You know, he's on the verge of getting married. So he's got no time. So pretty much like Andrew was just like, all right, man, like I'll kick out my brother and you kick out Rob. <laughs> and like, so that's, 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 that's kind of where we at. And, and Rob knew that it was coming. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if Cameron warned him. Cause he was just like, all right, man, like if Cameron's not in, like I'm not in either. And I was just like, all right. I was like, well, that was a lot easier. So it's not that we wasted like six months, like, you know, relying on those guys or whatever. But now we're now we're just like, well, holy shit. Like, well, who the fuck am I going to ask? Cause like I said, like, I had kind of like buried my head in the sand, so like I didn't, I didn't know who to fucking ask. I, I didn't know bands anymore. I didn't know any of that shit, you know. So I mean, the funny thing was like the first person that I reached out to was my was uh, for vocals was my friend Neil, you know, Neil Rubenstein, who sang for yeah. Sons of Abraham. Yeah, and I was just like, look, man, I was just like, you were kind of always into this, like, you know, same thing, like this morning again culture, like Florida sound. I'm like you want to come down and like check this shit out? And he's like, yeah, he's like, sure. He's like, I'll come down there. So he came down and like listened to it. And he was just like, Hey, he's like, I dig it, man. And then this was kind of when he first started doing like his stand up stuff. And I said to him, I was just like, look, man, I was like, I don't want this to interfere. Like you look like you're having a good time, like doing the comedy and like you're starting to get on the road. Like 
I don't I don't want you to do this. Like I I don't want to be the asshole that like fucks up your dreams. Like I feel like you should really be doing that right <laughs> Neil, now. Neil, you're fucking hilarious. You know? Okay, uh, yeah, focus on that maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. So I was just like, dude, like I, I don't want to fucking take this guy away. So like, I was just like, all right. I was like, well, who the hell else do I know? So you know, if if I actually told you like everybody that I asked, like band wise, it was literally members of everybody from like motive to still suit to like uh incendiary to antarabe to like this is hell <laughs> to like all, all fucking long island man yeah so finally like i'm just like all right what the fuck i don't know what's going on like i want to break this band up yada 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 so my buddy joe that i work with he comes up to me and he goes uh he goes hey he goes so my friend, the other Joe, because that's his name, he goes, uh, plays bass. And I think I think this guy would be like a good match for you. So I'm like, all right. So like I start looking at the kids like social media and this and that. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm like, this kid kind of looks a little like fucking too, like too new metal for me with like the fucking hair and the, and the nail polish and this and that. I was just like, but you know what, man? I was like, beggars can't be choosers. Like I got nobody else to fucking, <laughs> you know, to fucking rely on. Right. So. So this kid comes over and uh, shows up with like a fucking full base stack. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, look at this fucking kid. And I noticed that he's wearing a, a, uh, an Ignite shirt. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I fucking hate Ignite. I'm like, this is not going to fucking go well. I'm like, if this fucking kid likes this band. You know, and of course, my wife's in the back. My wife's in the background. She's like, oh, that's one of my favorite bands. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. So, so this kid comes in, and we jam. And this, this kid's another, like, I put this kid up there with Matt. Like, this kid is just, like, a fucking educated bass player. Like, he knows his fucking music theory. He knows his scales. Like, this kid is something else. So I was just like, holy shit. I'm like, all right, this fucking kid could play. And now the cool thing that I liked with him was... He was in this uh, this band called Lords, which had like a female singer, and this kid had played at Irving Plaza. He had toured with uh, with this band called Suicide City, which was like ex-members of like Kitty and Biohazard. I was like, all right, I was like, so this kid has played shows. He knows like the deal or whatever. And the funny thing is, he says to me, he goes, all right, man, he goes, I want to do this, but the longest that I can go on tour is three weeks. Mm, and I'm like, who right. the fuck is going on tour, bro? <laughs> I'm like, we're like fucking 40, 43 years old. I'm like, nobody's nobody's leaving this basement. Like, if we get a show, great. Like, other than that, we're just going to jam in the basement. <laughs> so, so we wind up getting him, and now I'm like, all right, now back to the fucking age-old question. Who the hell is going to sing for this thing? Because I'd gone through all my resources. Like, I had nobody left to ask. So we wind up going out to... Uh, we went out to dinner for my birthday, and funny enough, Chris, my old singer of Sky Came Falling, he keeps talking about this guy, Jeff, you know, ask, ask Jeff, ask Jeff. And I'm like, well, who the hell is this guy? He goes, look, he goes, he sang for this band, Ice Age. You know, they later changed their name to American Ice Age. It was kind of like sick of it all. Then it kind of went to like rock and roll-ish. He's like, this guy can sing. He goes, and I think it would be a good match. So I'm like, all right. I'm like, well, I don't know this kid from a hole in the wall. So... I wind up asking my friend Dan Turr, who knows, like, this kid knows, like, the whole, like, Smithtown area and, like, that whole area over there. So, I'm like, all right, if Dan Turr knows this kid, like, I should have, like, a good in. So, of course, he knows him, and uh, he sends him a message. He goes, look, he goes, my buddy's band is looking for a singer, like, you know, would you want to try out, yada, yada, yada. So, Jeff comes over, and uh, so now Jeff had also sang for this band called The Backup Plan, which was kind of like a like a punk more like a punk rock band yeah. 
but he had also played bass in This Is Hell, and he was on the first This Is Hell album. So he kind of, you know, he was kind of, you know, into that style. So he comes over and he listens to the songs and he's just like, wow, he goes, this is, I've never tried to like be in a band that sounds like this, but I think I want to give it a go. So we're like, all right, man, like that, that sounds good to us. So, so he, so he comes in and then, uh, then I'm just like, oh man, I'm like, I've always played with two guitars. Like I've always been in a five piece band. Like, do you know anybody? So he starts going through his list of people and he's just like, nah, man, he's like, all my friends, you know, they have like jobs and kids and wives and like, like nobody wants to fucking play anymore. So he goes, uh, he goes, oh, he goes, maybe I can reach out to my buddy, Chris. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, well, was he like any, any any bands or whatever? And he goes, yeah, he goes, he he sang for this band, uh, Subterfuge back in like, you know, the mid nineties. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, I remember that band. And he goes, yeah, he goes, and he also played, you know, with me and Ice Age and then American Ice Age. And then he goes, oh yeah, he goes, he also played guitar for this band called Soldiers. And I just like lost it. Cause I was just like, holy fuck, I love that band. And I was just like, if you if you guys don't know who Soldiers are, you definitely get on it. It was like, it was almost like the second coming of like Overthrow for Long Island. Wow, okay, I gotta get on that. If you, if you, if you guys remember that band Overthrow, it yeah. was like, just like a lot of sing-alongs and breakdowns and like, it was just like, it was the best shit going. So, so he gets a hold of him, and funny enough, so Chris shows up with pretty much the same rig that Joey had, shows up with like this full fucking stack, you know, for, for, for a band audition, and we run through the songs, and I'm just like, all right, man, like, you nailed fucking everything. I'm like, if you want the gig, like, like you're in. And he's just like, holy shit. He's like, thank God you told me that, because I didn't want to fucking lug this fucking full stack <laughs> back through the garage. So... <laughs> And then that was it. So then we then we had had the four guys and or five guys actually, and then we just started doing the four songs, and then uh, the, then the next thing was just getting shows, like any band, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I know that you guys uh, you put out the Truth EP um, last year, last July. Uh, yep. I know you played Shakers Pub, uh, one of my personal favorite uh, local dives that that my bands have performed yeah. at, and oh yeah, that sort of thing. Um, and recently. Uh, just about a year almost to the day, about a year and a day later after your first EP, you just released A Kingdom Falls, uh, your, yeah. your new release. I, yeah, I mean, uh, the the nice thing is with, with Jeff, I mean, not only, you know, not only does he sing, but I found out that the kid has other talents, which is uh, recording bands. <laughs> that helps. So he actually, yeah, so he actually recorded uh, both EPs. Yeah. And uh, and besides that, he also uh, prints all the merchandise, which is cool. So I'm like, holy shit. And then Andrew, you know, the guitarist, he designs all the merchandise. And then he also does all the social media and the website. I'm just like, holy shit. I was like, I've never been in such like a self-sufficient band. Like, this is amazing. Like, we don't really have to like, only thing that we have to really rely on people for is just giving us shows. You know? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and hopefully uh, you know we can return to that as as soon as uh, possible. Yeah, um, and and you know just for the listeners, um, uh, you guys do have a band camp for Anoint the Sick with both of those EPs on there. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean it's it's on there, it's on Spotify, mm-hmm. it's on YouTube, it's all over the place. Yeah, all, all the digital, all the typical digital platforms. Yep. I should say. I, I I was using Bandcamp to to check it out today, and I recommend it for uh, people who are th- I think fans of. Uh, that that kind of like uh, be, before it became like um, a big huge wave of metalcore. I call it like that '90s hardcore metalcore, where it was like metal influenced hardcore more. You know? 
Yeah, I, I mean the two the two EPs are drastically different. Yeah, I mean to the point where uh, to the point where like I played a couple of my friends, you know, the new EP when it came out, and they were just like, man, they're like, when did you kick Jeff out? Like this <laughs> this singer is fucking great, <laughs> you know. But just just he changed his style. Yeah. It just it just it yeah. works, you know. Yeah, yeah, awesome, man. Um, and uh, uh, so you have the new EP. Obviously, it's tough with everybody. With you know, we we already talked about the venues and the shows and yeah and that sort of thing. Um, but you guys, I noticed you do have a website, right? Uh, do you have any like uh, merch coming up, coming out or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, anointthesick dot com is the uh, is the website, and then there's a there's a store on there, you know, with t shirts and stickers and stuff like that, and then. You know, we have the normal, the Instagram and Twitter and everything. You know, it's at Anoint the Sick. Yeah, yeah, all the all the normals. Not like the old days where you had to photocopy a flyer and and uh, to, oh Jesus, the, the yeah. lead singer had to announce the next few shows you were playing. Yeah, oh, I, I do miss those days, though. Believe <laughs> me. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, nothing to replace. And, and we appreciate you uh, kind of uh, reminiscing with us a little bit tonight on that on that sort of stuff, man. And um, oh, my pleasure. Yeah, and of course, telling us about uh, Anoint the Sick and. Uh, as we always say, being respectful of your time, uh, we always ask the guest before um, we wind down if you could recommend for the listeners and for us just one uh, older release and one newer release. It could be any artist, any genre, uh, just something where we could say Brian Parker uh, from Anoint the Six said this was cool to listen to. Oh, man, an older release. Uh, what the hell have I been listening to? You know what I really dug was, uh, well, I mean, I dug both of them because a, a new one just came out, but but that last body count that came out. Okay. I mean, I dug I dug the new one that came out, Carnivore, but I like the one before that. Of course, the name is escaping me right now. I can't, I can't remember what it's called. Um, and then as far as uh, newer stuff, I really dig this band called, I think you pronounce it Alcest. It's A-L-C-E-S-T. And the album is Spiritual Instinct. Yeah, I think they're from France, right, Alceste? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I, I really dig that. All right, interesting, man. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, we, we talked about Anoint the Sick, um, the new EP, A Kingdom Falls, available on uh, all the uh, usual uh, digital platforms, and you can go to anointthesick.com. Is there anything else that we didn't plug or that you want to um, uh, talk about? No, I mean that's that's pretty much it. I mean we're we're still you know doing what we can. I mean obviously we haven't you know had band practice and stuff like that with COVID, yeah. but we're still kind of just doing you know the SoundCloud and Dropbox thing. I mean we ha we have pretty much two new songs already that aren't on you know the last EP, so we're not really taking a break. We're still out there you know you know still plugging away and just hopefully you know sooner or later we can get all five of us in a room and just you know start knocking out you know the thirty EP. Yeah, yeah. Well, like like all of our guests lately, uh, you know, we wish you guys the best of luck with that and with getting back to uh, a more productive like work schedule with the band and all that sort of stuff. Everybody's uh, you know ho hoping that things go back to some semblance of normality, man. And um, uh, you know, with that being said, then uh, drummer Brian Parker of Anoint the Sick, uh, and as we talked about tonight, formerly of Sky Came Falling. Um, any last words uh, for listeners of your music or listeners of our podcast? No, just can't thank you guys enough for having me on. It was uh, it was a great conversation. I had a blast. Awesome. Well, we, yeah, we had a blast having you on, man. And, um, you know, again, we thank you for your time. 
Uh, and, you know, we encourage the listeners to check out all the music that we just talked about um, uh, in this conversation, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, thanks yeah, dude, we'll, thanks uh, for taking the time. Yeah, we'll be in. We'll be okay. in touch, uh, Brian. As um, as we like, you know, the episode is produced. It'll probably be up in like a week or two. Okay, sounds great. All right, man. Th- uh, thanks again for your time, brother. We appreciate it, man. It was great talking to you. Thanks, guys. You too. Have a good night, man. Bye, Brian. Thanks. Okay. Take it easy, man. Thanks. Have you a That was our interview with Brian Parker from Anoint the Sick and obviously formerly of Sky Came Falling, as we talked about. And uh, we appreciate his time. We appreciate him uh, calling up, man. And as we said, that uh, uh, new Anoint the Sick EP, as well as the last one, are both available on uh, whatever your platform of choice is. I I checked the Bandcamp out. Um, And I'm kind of hoping right now that maybe Tom and Justin check the Bandcamp or something out uh, because I need some new metal. What's going on? Hell yeah. No, wait, wait. I need some N-E-W. Metal. Oh, damn it. Well, yeah, I guess no, I'm, I'm out this week. Uh, yeah, I no, was the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taproot and all those guys. Yeah, that's why I picked the obscure. I'll, I, yeah. I'll have to cheat my way out of this Coal Chamber recommendation. Our Man 5000 and the boys. Right, I'll uh, leave Drowning Pool till uh, next tell, week. Then. Don't hold off. Yeah, I need some, um, some brand new, uh, fresh, uh, uh, off the bat, uh, you know, Whatever you call it, uh, stop me from talking. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Recommend me music. Beautiful. Well, I'm going to stop talking in a very short amount of time because I don't know too much about this band, but I heard it today and I love it. So I'm bringing it to your attention, guys. Uh, this band is called Ratsnip. Oof. Uh, not to be confused with uh, another band called uh, Ratnip without the hyphen. What? Uh, yeah, there's some kind of a power rock and roll band, which is pretty fun. Okay. Uh, also, several uh, companies out there selling Ratnip. Either it's a cat toy, uh, it's a rat filled with catnip, huh. or it's some sort of uh, rat extermination device. I gotta right. write that down for uh, my cat. These okay. these these are all fun, you know, hobbies and pastimes. But the real deal is Rat Dash Nip out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, their brand new seven inch, best name I've heard in a long time for a record. Uh, comfortable chair. Oh, I'm always in. Always. A comfortable chair. I'm yeah. 90, 95 times out of 10, I'm adding in a comfortable chair. That's how that saying goes. Uh, new 7-inch out on Songbook Records. Um, you know, aggressive, heavy, uh, thrashy punk, man. Uh, I love it. Uh, putting bumper on the truck today, fighting with bolts, uh, getting Tom those new tires, thinking about ratting it. Uh, and rat, also. Yeah, but, but let's talk about rat. It's true. That's, yeah. that's why you brought it this. Can't be, I, it all makes sense. It can't now. be understated how much I love bands that start with rat. <laughs> oh man! And with the respect to put a, a hyphen after rat because you know we're pausing, we're going in. Great. So Ratnip, brand new band. Uh, they put out a demo tape um, in November 2019. Uh, the same sort of fucking aggressive brutality. Uh, you know, they a lot of influences of uh, 80s 80s punk. And I'm not going to... They don't say it, but I, you know, there's, there's tons of 
grind reference in here, and I'm not going to be specific because I don't want to right now. Uh, but I'm loving the energy here. Um, I'm loving the uh, the vocal approach, and I've been playing a lot of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One Plus Two. Uh, just came out, and this is this put me right in that wheelhouse. Long combos, uh, half million points. So Rat Nip guys, bring it to the table. I love this. This is fucking great. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah, like the grind. There's not like a grind overt reference. Like it, it's really it has that like '80s punk. It's yeah. just, even the production, the guitar tone. It's got savage. balls. This is just yeah, it's just savage, man. It's great. Um, I love this, man. And, and and yeah, it's just like it sounds. It sounds like these guys are just swinging chains at somebody in CBGBs in like 1979 or something. It's fucked up. Um, these guys are getting kicked off the set of Saturday Night Live or something. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, it has, like, a nostalgic 80s vibe to the production yeah. of Feel. It's furious. It doesn't let up. But I notice every once in a while, not even every song, it lets up for a second, and there's a little, like, little little tinge of atmosphere. Little, You know, they, they, they yep. go mid-tempo for a second. A nice breath. It's, it's just got just, just, just enough personality. I love it, man. This is really cool. Fuck it. Uh, I kept it on, and I did. I looked up the demo. I noticed uh, on YouTube there was, uh, in the information for it, they had a contact address. Like back in the day, Great. like a P.O. box. I was like, yeah. So good. So I'm going to write them up. We're going to try to see if uh, we can get them on. I'm pretty okay. sure, and if, if any listeners out there want to correct me, you know, you can't. Uh, I'm pretty sure the demo was only a cassette. And this is uh, only vinyl. Love it. So, you know, got to get it. You guys already know what my heart's at. These <laughs> guys are cool with me, man. Tonight, we're coming from the land of crawdads with Mule Skinner from New Orleans. Fantastic. Yeah, great. Love this. American grind down to its core. Mule Skinner, old school grind outfit starting in 1987. Wow. This is a band that has been around. There's definitely a bit of a hiatus. I'm cheating a little bit right now. I'm bringing in their latest release, which is called Airstrike. It came out in 2018 on FOAD Records. Let's fuck off and die, I believe. Not mm. fist them of a down. I'm glad we wrapped up new metal. <laughs> Brought that right back around. So this this album, um, they have one other full length that they did in 93 called Abuse, which is a very good, uh, it's a solid grind record, but I gotta say this band gets better with time if you go through their discography. Airstrike is like a perfect grind record for me. It has a bit of, it's just like a touch of this hardcore element, but it drives through like classic, old school napalm, unrelenting, kind of reminds me of The Kill a bit mm. with just that, that, the drum sounds fantastic, love the vocal approach, it's riffs on riffs there's like those, um those grind breakdowns, I would call them, like those cut time parts that you just can't help but nod your head to. Yeah, this album just rips, dude. You gotta check this out. Oh, Airstrike yeah. by Mule Skinner. Yeah, I get some of those like old terrorizer vibes 
first Terrorizer album, World <laughs> Downfall, you know. It's just classic, old-school, like, Earache Records-style grindcore, you know, type of vibe, man. Pure, uh, pure classics. Yeah, I love this, I yeah. I love I, this Mule Skinner. I, I will admit that Mule Skinner I never heard before today. I've heard the name, but I just never ventured there. But I'm glad I did. I tried to look it up uh, when, when you sent it to me, and uh, I came across some Dolly Parton. Oh. Yeah, there's uh, what Mule Skinner Blues. Mule, yeah, the, the Mule Skinner Blues by uh, by Dolly Parton, which I got kind of excited that you're bringing in well, that big know, D. But I, I'm not ready to do that yet. Yeah, I'm not ready to bring in Dolly Parton yet. It's too heavy, too much, too much uh, weight. Yeah. Spe- very top heavy. Yes. Um, mm. uh, also, there was another band called Mule Skinner from the '70s, which is, uh, for lack of a better term, dad rock. Um, uh-huh. I oh, prefer good. a woman with some experience. Me too. Lovely lady. All about it. But uh, unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, this is a different page right now. We're talking the grind. We're talking about Mule Skinner, Louisiana, Airstrike. Listen to this album. Get amped as I did. This is a 10 out of 10 grind record for me. I love it. So you like OSDM, <laughs> tough guy. That's what I heard. I'm talking to you, listener out there. You like your little demos. You like your tapes. You like when they make the artwork and the band pictures look like it happened in 1992. You I like get it. Grain. You Come like on. VHS static. I like it too. I love it. I love OSDM. That's why I make fun of it so much because I really do follow a lot of these bands i wade through the sea uh of young men and women that are taking influence from the 90s wave of de- waves of death metal and i enjoy a lot of them and i'm here uncle buck is here today uh to, to bring you the cream of the crop of uh, the osdm movement and i'm talking about flesh rot uh from lubbock texas if i said that right i'm not from texas i apologize if i said that wrong uh but they're from texas they released uh, just this year their 2020 demo of which I speak. Uh, also, a, a split with Phantasmagore. Uh, I'm on Metallum. We're real, <laughs> real time. No bullshit. I'm not. So, I don't make shit up for these people to, to think that I'm cool. Like I'm on. Yeah. Uh, not a sponsor. They, yeah, they got a split with Phantasmagore uh, and a demo. I'm talking about the demo today, um, and I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's it's. It's, it's just got that, the drum sound, the guitar tone, the vocals, everything is there for your brutal 90s. We get it, but it's, it's just sick. It's in the graveyard. What really does it for me, uh, the, these guys set the atmosphere, they get it right, uh, and then, you know, sometimes you're baking your brownies, you're making you souf- your souffle, and you just, you know, something right at the end, you don't crisp it right or something. These guys get everything right because... They come in with these guitar harmonics, these kind of leads uh, that are so warped and kind of discordant sounding and, and sound like they're, they're being played by a poltergeist that appears in your closet in the middle of the night when you go to buy your eBay bought $500 death long sleeve. Um, I'm sorry. I, yeah. But listen, yes. but those listen, are, those these guys do it right. 
Uh, the ghosts of your cut-off sleeves have come to haunt you with these leads. <laughs> God damn it, they named their band Flesh Rot. Like, it's 1995. Like, okay, look, all I'm saying, uh, if you want the OSDM, you want the younger generation bringing you the older sound like is going on nowadays, these guys are doing it right. They're hitting all the marks. And uh, you get that, that atmosphere that we all love from OSDM from their songs in general, but every once in a while, they uh, bring it there. And they don't OD on it. They don't overdo it. They just do it. And that's why I love this band. Um, they, they really managed to bring it home with the songwriting. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about it, man. I don't want to talk for longer than the demo goes. But I got my eyes on Flesh Rot 2020. And, you know, I do love the OSDM movement, the caveman death metal, the, the young people, whatever. I'm just having fun here, man. That's, that's why I brought this in. Well, listen, man. The only one that's even relevant right now to the conversation is from Lubbock, yep. Lubbock, 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 Texas. Texas, Big Booty album cover, Flash yeah. Rock. Big Booty album cover, uh, don't mess with Texas, as I've been told. I love, to, I've been down to Texas. Y'all means all. All right, listen, I'm going to come down to Texas, get some barbecue with the guys from Flesh Rot. Screw you guys. Uh, they had their demo pressed uh, on cassette, multiple different forms and flavors and colors of cassette. Oh, it's all sold out. No, no. We missed it. You can't get it. You no. missed it. Hey, <laughs> listeners, you missed it. Every I missed it. Everyone missed it. All the cassette. You scroll down the Bandcamp. All the tapes are sold out, but you can still go to Bandcamp and buy it. So buy it and check the Bandcamp frequently for the next uh, Raspberry Swirl cassette edition, whatever limited edition they put out next. Flesh Rot from Texas. Holler. Motherfuckers, this is how we do it in Texas. God wow. damn it. I'm holding the goddamn Budweiser right now in case you didn't know. Listen, uh, Flesh Rot from Texas did it. All right? Download their demo, you, you piece of shit. All right, guys, we got we to gotta stop letting me recommend music. Stop letting me recommend the old school death metal demos when I'm a couple of beers in. Yeah. All right, metalheads. Yeah. You heard what Big Will said. <laughs> All right, I'm not, throw your horns in the air and listen to what else he's got to say. Oh, Dear God. I'm not really drunk. I just, uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little... Uh, I'm driving. I'm feeling a little loose tonight. <laughs> okay, um, so that was uh, all of our recommendations. Uh, shout out to those bands. Uh, shout out to Brian Parker, our guest this evening uh, from Anoint the Sick. Yes, uh, sir. You can also, speaking of band camps and, and uh, checking out music online, you can go check that out. And... Um, Thank you for letting me throw the first relevant Ultra Guys reference into this podcast. <laughs> You're always relevant to me. Man. Hey. Hey. Thank oh. you. Okay. All so, right, metalheads. Yeah. <laughs> All right, metalheads. So you want to support the Heavy Hole podcast. Here's what you could do. <laughs> Log on to your computer sheet machine, dude. Yeah. Type in <laughs> WWW stands for... Uh, wah, yeah. and uh, type in you know heavy hole podcast right after that yeah, man because you know, we like it heavy here on the heavy hole dude yeah. all right if you like it heavy you can go to heavyholepodcast.com the heavy heaviest website on the internet you can so go right over the yeah, reverb go right over to our patreon give us a bunch of money so we can buy some crazy stuff man heavy hole podcast you know what to do dude 
Go on the computer machine, man, and type it into the browser window, guy. Yeah, keep it sick. That website is not for pussy. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just us doing our, like, uh... Our, our B-roll tape to try to get on, like, a generic metal show one day. I, I'm baffled right now. Yeah. You guys yeah. are too professional for me. <laughs> I do another podcast, and I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop doing this podcast. From now on, it's just that. Well, before you stop in your tracks, man, walk on over to the merch table. Uh, Patreon.com slash Podcast. Guess how many brand new music videos from Devil Driver I'm going to play you after this commercial break? One. <laughs>